With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to another episode of the AI Writers Podcast. I'm your co-host, Leanne, and joining me as usual is Tom. Um, joining us today is Carl Kopak. He is known to be the veteran of AI. I have to get that in there every single time just to annoy him. Carl, how are you? Cheers, Bluetick. Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. I have to get that back into you. I always, um, <laughs> I always have a little dig at Leanne for having a blue tick while I haven't got one, despite the fact I've been writing about Liverpool for several hundred years now. <laughs> Well, it's good. It's always good to have you on, and obviously we're talking at the back of um, the Merseyside derby and Liverpool's really resilient win against Burnley. So lots to discuss today. And um, Carl, do you want to kick us off with discussing your article? Okay. Um, well, basically, I uh, you see one of the things about writing is that every now and then you get to write about a topic which, while your head is absolutely in bits, and the job of the writer is always to try and get your points across as. Uh, as as calmly and relaxed as possible to say, you know, there are things I want to say in this article, article and these are they, one, two, three, and you do it like that. This article, I couldn't do that because how the hell do you write a thousand words on what happened on Sunday? So I, I tried to put it around the fact that there are that there are games that we all know of by name. So, for example, if I would say to you the Gerard final, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There. If I were just to say the word Istanbul, you'd know what I was talking about. And it goes the other way. There's the, the Zidane final that it, people know what I mean. What, you know what would you mean by that? And that's no, no by no means flattering to Zidane. You'd probably want to forget that. Um, and I'm, I made reference to the point that when the ball, I was at Anfield on Sunday. When the ball came over, I had this absolute nailed on certainty that someone was going to score who doesn't normally score for Liverpool. And he was so low down, um, Divock Origi, in my, in my listing, that I went for Joe Gomez, because I forgot Gomez, uh, Origi was on the pitch. I should explain, I was very low down on the outfield road, so I didn't really get to see Origi's run down the side, or I thought it was somebody else, because I was that low down, it's just a forest of legs from there on. Um, and so, obviously, when the goal's scored, I have no idea who scored, I just know it's a goal. I'm jumping around like a maniac, as I said on the main pod this week. I was hugging a 70-year-old woman who was standing next to me for much of it. Um, and I also hugged an Everton fan who didn't seem to want me to do that. And um, so when George announced um, goal scorer for Liverpool is Divock Origi, I think I laughed for a full minute. So it's about moments like that, really, and how it would have been unfair had we drawn that game. But at the same time, it was a fair result because Everton were really good. Um, that's the best Everton side I've seen out at Anfield since about 1987, um, and I've seen a fair few. Um, thanks, Leanne. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just basically, it's, it's trying to get all that into a, into a lucid and cogent article. I'm not completely convinced I did it. But uh, the, but the big thing, obviously, is, is just the fact that 
this side just keeps going on. And even when you think things are going against us, and this happened the other day as well, um, then, you know, you just have to keep going. And, and the Derby is such a hard game to do that. But we, I thought we were brilliant as well. But it's all about Divock Origi. God bless Divock. There's only one Divock Origi. Um, Leanne, I'll let you react to, um, to Carl's article. What did you make of it? And what are your thoughts on the Divock, the Divock Derby as it's going to be known? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good article. I, I'll tease Carl all the time about being a veteran, but he is a very, very good writer, and I think he sums it up perfectly. Um, I, I think coming into the game, you would never have thought Divo Corrigi would be the one to, to get us the win. Uh, yes, he's got a great record against Everton, um, but you know he, he's been very much out in the shadows at the moment, and that Wolfsburg line really didn't help him. Um, I think it was 2014-15 was his best season to date. I think that's the right date anyway, um, before Funes Mori completely destroyed his career. And from a nostalgic point of view, it was great to see Origi kind of put the two fingers up to Funes Mori and to Everton and say, you know what, I'm back now. Take that, take that last-minute winner and shove it up your backside. So that that was always quite nice. And, um, you know, a last-minute winner against Everton is always going to leave a very positive um, positive feeling. So it, it was a good game and a good performance from Liverpool. I think it would have, from a neutral point of view, I'm not just saying this because Liverpool ended up winning, but I think it would have been a greater, um, I think someone even used these words, it would have been a greater tragedy for it to end nil-nil than for Jordan Pickford to have done what he did and, and give Liverpool the, the win because both sides really went at it. As Carl said, that was the best Everton team We've seen in a long time, they really attacked Liverpool and okay, that you know that played into our hands at times, but they did really go for it and credit to them for doing that because it made it a great game. Um, as for Divock Origi, I don't think we can you know really ask too much more of him um, in a game like that. It's always going to be hard coming in and, and he did miss a golden chance beforehand, but he picked himself up, he picked his head up and actually for the chance, he showed great awareness and tenacity to get there because everyone else you know was, was kind of ball watching. Virgil van Dijk, I'm not quite sure what he was doing taking that shot, but um, in hindsight, it, it worked out. So, g- good one, Virgil. Um, but, you know, it's it, it's a tricky one because as good as the goal was and as, as positive in terms of results is, I don't think it's actually going to do anything for Origi's career at Liverpool. I think we kind of saw that at Burnley because he fell flat again. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm not saying I... I, I I don't care at all. He's he's kind of served his purpose for me. If he does nothing else for the rest of his Liverpool career, it's absolutely fine because that. If was if, if he mows the pitch now, that's fine by me. If he just <laughs> mows the pitch for the rest of his Anfield career, I'm really happy with that. But I think you come up, you say something that, that it's really true what you say there. Everyone panicked when that ball landed on the bar twice, and you, you've got to give him credit for le- leaping in and thinking that's mine. I'll have that. Because the keeper was absolutely in bits. He just completely lost it. He didn't know where anything was, what his name was, why his arms were so short, all that <laughs> sort of stuff. And and, and Divock Origi to get across because he's got to angle his body equipped to get it around the goalkeeper because he's a tall lad, obviously. Um, but there's other things that, I mean, I imagine we've all watched the goals at least 300 times. But um, there's two things I've noticed recently. One was pointed out to me. If you watch what Van Dijk does, he, he turns away after his shot. And starts running back towards the goal while the ball is bouncing. So he must have had a really weird view. He, he thinks he's put out for a goal kick, and suddenly he turns around again, and the cops yeah. got mad, and yeah. he doesn't know why. <laughs> but my favourite thing, my, my Gilly pointed this out to me, is if you watch it again, and you can get the right angle for it, when the ball goes in, um, um, Arigi gets the ball out the net, gives it to um, Sadio Mane, and Mane, Mane holds the ball out to Idrissa Gay because he'd been time wasting. In a sort of yeah, go on then. 
and I love that. I love the element of that needle. Oh, I love I love that Sadia Sadia did that. My favourite one. There's there's so many brilliant memes, but my favourite one. It's um someone's done like a caption. It's just every single player. What's going through every single player's minds when the ball goes into the net? And Virgil's one is just wait a second. Did I just hear the crossbar? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why did I just hear the crossbar? <laughs> It's brilliant because you can you can see it doing the half turn like you can see his like he's still he's still facing his own goal but his his head's just sort of halfway around so you can see him sort of turning around as the ball's going into the back of the net sort of realizing exactly what's happened and he's legging uh, it back for the goal kick he's absolutely <laughs> sprinting it back for the goal kick and um, if you watch him he, he turns around puts his arms in the air then he runs off to Diego Rigi and you just think no full well I've no idea what happened there, but let's just go with this. That's Someone's just given us a goal. Let's just go with the goal. Uh, so he mustn't have noticed, but then what that is till he got back to the dressing room. Linders, his reaction is brilliant as well. He's, he does the full like full fist pump right in front of the Everton dugout, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 he does. Yeah, uh, so much, so many brilliant. There's, it's just the gift. That, this goal is just the gift that keeps on giving. Really, it really is. There's so many brilliant moments, and I think it's just one of those where. I mean, I don't know what everyone else's initial reaction was. I just couldn't stop laughing for about five minutes. Like, just I, um, Thank you. I, I said on, on the main pod this week, um, I, once I'd done my tour of the roads around me, um, I ended up like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption, you know, where he basically goes down on his knees when he's free in, this, in the storm and throws his arms up in the air. I, I screamed at the sky for maybe 30 seconds. Um, I have no idea when after that. But I remember very clearly just looking onto the pitch to see where the players were. And seeing that a fan had gone onto the pitch and was hugging the goalkeeper, and I thought immediately, "Oh, that 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 could give us a fine." Didn't realise it was him because my head was abso- <laughs> my head was absolutely boiled at that point. No, I didn't because also because he had this cap on as well, and I just thought there's, there's a lad in a Liverpool coat who seems to be hugging the goalkeeper. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think it was the West Ham game. There was a, a moment where the kid got onto the pitch. And he hugged Mo Salah and then ran off again. So I thought, well, maybe that's just the same thing as that. And it's the derby. And, you know, they'd just been calling us murderers. And there was blue smoke in our goal because they were celebrating a nil-nil, like a victory. Flair, flair is just my favourite thing about the, it. Because so yeah. my, my initial reaction when I saw the flair was, all right, cool, the lads have let off a flair, but why is it blue? Because it, 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 it did not occur to me in my head that the Everton fans would have set off a flare. I was like, I'm, I'm impressed the lads managed to get some flares in, but why have they got blue flares? That was my initial reaction. Well, you remember the nil a few years ago where they brought in a flare thinking it was blue and it was purple. That's one of my favourite ever things ever, yeah. <laughs> this was just... You, you don't know until you fire it, and it was a purple... And everyone in the cup was going, why is that purple? I can't work out why they're sending purple flares in. Oh, it's supposed to be blue, okay. No, it was just, just marvellous. Just absolutely brilliant. It was the most, I think it's the single most Everton thing I think I've ever seen. Like Everton have had some Everton moments, but this was just, this was just so Everton. Oh, um, Leanne, I'll let you jump in here. Um, sort of back to the Divock of it all. Um, how, how sort of fitting is it, do you think, that it was Divock Origi who ended up scoring that last goal? Because he, him and Everton, as you mentioned, do have some history, uh, both good and bad for Divock. You know, three of his 13 Premier League goals now have come against Everton but equally um, you know he's obviously had that horrible injury there so what, what's your what's your thoughts on the Divock Origi of it all? Yeah I mean as you, as you said there the, the main thing is that injury he sustained against uh, Funes Mori um, he was at kind of the height of his career to that point he had done very very well at Liverpool and he was kind of gaining momentum a lot of people when he initially came in I think he had been named as you know the striker within the worst 11 in yeah. League 1 or something yeah and he was yeah. thinking, God, who is this bloke? He's going to be awful. And he came in and, you know, he, he took a while to get started, but he did show strength. He showed power. He showed pace. 
And people are thinking, you know what, this guy can hold up the ball, he can finish it, he's got that little bit of sprinting about him, he can, you know, he can stretch defences. And so there was this optimism of, of what this kid could do. And then came Funes Mori and that challenge, which just kind of threw that all in the tank. And and what's really happened since, is, as we all know, um, has been that Wolfsburg loan. Nothing really happened there. Um, he's come back to Liverpool. He's not really had any chances, not really been in amongst the team at all. Um, Dominic Solanke is probably more favoured than him, even though we've not seen Solanke. So it, it, it's an interesting one because... I'm really, really happy for him. And, and as we've said, you know, who cares if he does nothing for the rest of his Liverpool career? And I do think it was a moment he needed um, against Everton just because for right now, everyone will look back at that Funes Mori challenge. And, and I really hope when it comes to the end of his career or wherever his career takes him, that's still not the case of, of hindsight. But right now, it is definitely a feeling of this kid was going places or looked like he was going places and it, and it all got stopped. And that was because of Everton. So... It's nice for, for him personally to, to get that and obviously for Liverpool to get the result in the title challenge and, and against um, Everton. So, yeah, lots of positives, as I would say, though, um, as I mentioned before, you know, I, I don't think it's going to really change his future. Um, whether I care about that as a fan, I'm, I'm not sure I do because I'm not his biggest fan. I think he struggled ever since that injury to kind of build up momentum or build up any kind of consistent game time. And that's partly his fault, but that's also partly because Liverpool have progressed. We've spoken before about the likes of Adam Lallana um, falling behind in that progression and Diva Carigi fits that category perfectly. Yes, he's um, still relatively young, but I think he's you know, 23, 24 now. And we spoke the other week about Harry Wilson and, and Ben Woodburn. And you're kind of in that age gap where it, it really is now or never. And that one goal is not suddenly going to make Diva Carigi be starting number nine for Liverpool. It's just Nonsense. not going to happen. So, Nonsense. Get him on every really, pitch ever. Absolutely not. He was dreadful against Burnley. I, I will not have any Divokarigi slander. No, <laughs> ever. no. This pod finish. is a Divokarigi slander freezer. <laughs> you did not let me finish. As I said before, I don't mind what he does for the rest of his Liverpool career, but from a, from a uh, future standpoint, I don't think he has got a career at Liverpool and I just hope wherever he lands wherever he does go if it is back to Germany or into the championship or somewhere else in the Premier League I hope he is able to get that consistent game time and that momentum so that he can continue to move past that Funes Mori challenge because right now his his career has been defined by that moment may the good lord bless his sweet sweet breath that's the way I look at it but can I talk about that that um, that that Funes Mori's challenge though because that too is the most evident thing in the world. He does something really interesting. So he does that when we're 3-0 up at Anfield. We're absolutely rampant. And Coutinho is absolutely running the show at that point. So he kicks him off, gets sent off. Then he touches his badge and walks off. And his teammates look at him going, well, thanks. We're now doing this with 10 men. And Coutinho is ripping us to pieces. And then we get a fourth goal. And he still kisses his badge. And they all applaud him. I would be absolutely going berserk if I was a player or, or an Everton fan at that point. I love that. I just That's just amazing. Hey, aren't I great? I kicked him in the air. Well, yeah, now we're going to lose four or five instead of three. Well in, mate. Brilliant. Aren't you I a mean, hero? I mean, 
to be to be fair to Everton, they were gonna they were gonna lose four, five, six. I mean, this was when they were at their absolute nadir. It almost I I I don't think I've ever felt sorry for Everton before. But at that moment, I was just like, you know what, this isn't fun anymore. This is like kicking a dead puppy. It's just it's it, just. I mean, it was fun. Oh no no it no, was no, fun. No. Like don't get me wrong, it was still enjoyable, but it al- almost almost reached the point of not being fun anymore. I would yeah almost no never um, never there is there is no point there is no point in enough. history where that could happen. Absolutely no way. Um, and uh, I, I just thought that was hilarious. And I didn't even think about the, the um, that challenge until I was on my way home afterwards. And I thought, oh yeah, but uh, that was that was quite a nice moment. Um, I think they're going to make things a little bit difficult for us when we go to Goodison Park. But but the good thing about Evan is by then they could be terrible. They could have gone through three more managers since then. You just don't know. That really was their chance, I think. And. Um, because obviously last season at Goodison, no one cared because it's before the City game in the Champions League, and I went to that, and I, I could have done a crossword. It was that boring, but um, that that's what made that so glorious is the fact that Evan really should have done something. I, I was thinking there's going to be a goal in here for once in a derby. I'm not convinced it is us. They could get something from this, and the fact that we were so resolute in what we were doing, and then to score that goal, I was just just amazing. It's in the top five games ever for me. It really is. I loved every minute of it. Same. Um, I, I, what was I going to say? Um, my fav- Not my favourite thing, but one just to lower the tone slightly, um, we still haven't lost a single Derby game since Roy Hodgson said that getting any result at Goodison Park would be a utopia. October still, 2010, not that I'm counting. Still haven't, dropped, still haven't lost a single game to the air since then. Nope. Oh, it's glorious. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the Funes Mori thing, just briefly back to it, like... That is that is about all they have to cheer though. Like snapping our players' legs is about as close as they get to a derby win these days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I, I can, and I can sort of understand it to be honest in some respects. If someone does that to David Silva when we play them on January the third, then I can sort of understand it. But not if we're three 0 down. If you want to do that, do it in the first minute for God's sake. It just makes no sense when you've already lost the, the game. game. It's... The game's already, but when the game's already lost, you can do it without any repercussions because you've already lost. Do you know what I mean? When it, when you're at nil nil, there's still a game there. When you're at, when you when you know you're going to get hit for four, five, six already, might as well. Like it doesn't make any difference if you're down to ten men. Oh, I, I think I think it does in a derby though. If you're three nil down in a derby, you're sticking at three. You want three one. You're not going to think solid. We'll go for five. You can't do that because they're still hurting about November 1982. They're still worried about the five nil. Sorry, Leanne, I'm talking about old games here. I know that you're going to frown at me for that. But um... no, it's all right. You're a veteran. Thank you very much. I was only thirteen. Um, but it's those sort of games. It's that you, you can't lose 5-0 in a derby. And that's what I thought was just astonishing about that. Absolutely astonishing. It's, it's a strange thing to do. Very odd. By the way, have you seen it? Have, have you seen the um, the little clip that's going around of all the derby challenges over the last 10 years? It's really good. It's really, really which good. One's, which one's that, sorry? Oh, there's a little sort of um, compilation of all the two-footed challenges in the, in the last 10 years of derbies. Nice. It's great to watch. Just absolutely great to watch. All people like me like things like that. <laughs> um, so I think we'll sort of we'll move on to talk a little bit more about the consequences of the derby win because I think I think Scott Groom's written a really really good article um, about sort of you know how this could be one of those results that we look back on at the end of the season um, and sort of look back and go you know that was an absolutely huge couple of points because as much as in the moment it's in the moment in many respects it's not about more than the derby if that makes sense you know obviously it is a derby you know it's 96 minute winner against Everton we spent the last you know 20 minutes or so being like ha 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 Everton and you know you you do get that but actually in the bigger context of the season it is a really important result for Liverpool because we're at the stage of the season now where you know City are City haven't dropped points since they played us which I think is six or seven games ago now yeah 
So, you know, they, they're not slowing down. We can't afford to slow down either. And we have managed to avoid slowing down as well, which is pretty impressive. You know, the only team we've dropped points with since we played City is Arsenal. And, you know, Arsenal, I think that was away from home as well. So, you know, it's even tougher. Yeah, yeah uh, there's, there's, no, there's no shame in that. No. So we're, you know, we're in a, we're in a situation now where, you know, every game is important and, you know, even a game like Everton at home, you know, that in, you know, in many respects is one of our bigger games is still one that there are no excuses for dropping points in because they, you know, they are not a good enough side to hold us up really. I think it's kind well, of, the that's other. why they were going to celebrate nil nil with a flare on the pitch. Cause that would have been the two points off the red shite. Yeah. That's exactly. how they, you know, that's going to take them behind city. They're not going to win another league and we've done it. That's what made that so beautiful. Yeah. I think. And, um, it's, it's a case of, um, um, that when it, I was thinking actually, if this stays nil nil, I don't know what to feel because I can understand why it's nil nil. And um, I thought we did enough to win it, and you know we had the chances with Shakiri and Mane. Um, but at the same time, I think it was a bit harsh for us not to win at the same time, just because basically because we're better than Everton. So in, in the ter- in context of the of the season and everything, I think it's one of those things. Well, a perfect example. Sorry, I'm, I've got, I've laboured that point massively, but what I'm trying to say is the effect that has on Man City. And I know they won at Watford, but um, the perfect example of that is the absolute fury of Danny Mills, the former Manchester City defender, who was just finding anything to be appalled at because he was so hurt that Liverpool won the derby in the 96th minute. And that's the thing that we've got to keep doing now. I know this is what Scott's article is about as well. What do you do about Manchester City when they're doing all this sort of thing? And the answer is, you win games in the 96th minute. You win games when you're a goal down at Turf Moor when it's freezing in, in December and score three times. And that's the only thing you can really do. You've just got to keep going. And um, I, know, I know we referenced the, um, uh, the, the season that's on the main pod last week. We referenced the fact that there was that season in the 90s where United were 12 points behind Newcastle. And they just kept winning 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, and they won the league. And that's all we can do, really. So, so that little so that little outburst by Danny Mills, I was just as delighted as that because we've got onto their skin as well. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, you get so, you, there's been so many Liverpool fans all over Twitter. Like, they get, every time City play, it's just so frustrating because they never, they never drop points. But then you've got, you know, you've got to take it from the other side. City fans are sat there going, why won't Liverpool just go away? We've made the, we've made, I think they've made, they probably made the best start in the history of, from in like you know top division football and they yeah. are two points <laughs> two points clear two at this stage last season I think they already shrugged off United to like ten points they, you know yeah. they they they're not they haven't had a title race this city and I think that's kind of what scares them a little bit because they haven't been challenged they're not what, used to actually being under a bit of pressure because well one of their fans said there's a beautiful description oh, he, he, he termed it in a very very offensive language but he said basically Liverpool are like wasps at a picnic they just won't go away. They're just always going to be there. So if we go a goal down at Burnley, they've already won their game midweek and they're thinking, oh, you won the derby. Happy days. We're going to get another two points back on you. Nope. Here come Liverpool again. It's deeply annoying, but it's also, it really cranks up the pressure. Even if they're, they're battering people all over the park, that's still going to get in your head at some point. It's like, United, it's like United eroding down Newcastle. That's the season that um, Kevin Keegan went nuts. I mean, they've got Chelsea at the weekend. And suddenly yep. they're looking at a game against Chelsea, who are fourth in the league, and they're thinking, we've got to win this. A game against, you know, a game and where... Chelsea have just lost. I that, mean, this was, a, that's this a, that's was a the... Big Arsenal, deal. Yeah. This was the Arsenal thing as well. Like, you know, I came out of that Arsenal game that we drew, and I was really frustrated, because I was like, you know what, any other season, that's a good point. But I, I just... I can't get hyped about a point away at Arsenal, because it's just not... It's At the end of the season, it might not be enough. 
And that's the that's where we're at now. We're at the stage where, you know, literally every single game and probably including playing each other is a must win game. And, you know, obviously the sort of, you know, the, the must the, the mantra must win game. Every game is must win game. You know, it, it's overplayed. But this season, it really, really does feel like it, doesn't it? Which explains Man City's tactics at the home game. It was just a case of don't, don't, don't concede. Do not give them a, a single thing. Sit back, play three at the back if you need to. Don't push Kyle Walker up. Just take the points because this is a long-term plan. Just do not lose to Liverpool rather than let's go for the throat, which is what they're doing with everybody else, including the top teams as well. They did it with United as well. Um, and yeah, and, and that, that's the thing, really. You've, you've just got to... The, the people we've dropped points against are the sort of people it's no shame to drop points against, where if they've dropped it at Wolves, they dropped two points at Wolves, which is going to get in their heads a bit as well. We've dropped points against City, Arsenal and Chelsea. To, and we, to be... and we and we've beaten Tottenham. To be fair, Wolves are a, a good team. I think they've proven that that season. But but are um, they though? Because they, they people are, talk people they, they are but, they are but, but they're not the getting the points. They're not getting the points. You've both made good points in terms of in terms of our position with Manchester City. I think a lot of people and um, it doesn't matter who you talk to if they're you know just general football fans or even Arsenal fans, Chelsea fans, and, and Spurs fans have been saying things like oh. City have looked amazing this season. There's no way that that anyone's going to catch them. And I just sat there and I looked at them and I thought, you do realise we we are only two points behind. And people, for some reason, they, they just couldn't comprehend that, that. This idea that City have been so amazing and yet they're only two points ahead of us. Because I think we, we can all agree that Liverpool still, um, we keep kind of hammering on about it, but Liverpool still haven't hit their heights and whether that's just a new approach that, everyone's now getting slowly used to um, remains to be seen. I, I think it is just a bit more pragmatism. Um, but even so, people are saying how frustrating it must be for Liverpool to be second because this is their best start ever to a Premier League season. But actually, take Man City, look at what they're doing within this Premier League. Look at what they did last year. They are literally, um, OK, financial fair play, they've probably broken it to do so. But they are setting records. They are placing some outstanding football they've got amazing depth um the thing the other day they basically um rested half their team and yet they still had all internationals in there all very very yeah they, internationals they had to make to do with gabriel so, jesus what a shame yeah exactly <laughs> so the the amount of depth they have is absolutely crazy and i actually think it's testament to how good and how um, much this Liverpool team has progressed that we're only two points behind them because people will sit here and say, you know, it doesn't count for anything unless City do slip up if they do stop that momentum and we take over. And and while I agree, I think, you know, there's no prizes for coming second place at the end of the day. I do think at this stage in the season, there's so many more games to play. It remains to be seen if Liverpool will still be in the Champions League. Um, and, and if we... If we aren't, I can't really see Jurgen Klopp taking the Europa League as seriously. Um, but, you know, there's loads of factors, there's loads of games to play. And I think it's a real testament to this side and what Klopp is doing at Liverpool that we're only two points behind a record-breaking Manchester City team. Well, I think, I think if we go in the Europa League, then us three are playing in the Europa League squad. Because I think that's, a, that's how seriously they're going to take it. I mean, um, I mean I'm, I'm probably better than Moreno, so... There's, there's so much, there's so many things I could say there, but I'm not going to bother. That, that, it, is should, that it, it should be noted that I'm a striker, so I'm definitely not better than Moreno. Well, maybe, you, at, maybe at finishing. What, what are your penalties like? 
They're that, very, they're very good. That was thank a low you. blow. That was a low they're blow. Very everyone. good, thank you. For anyone who doesn't know, I missed a penalty last week in my football match, and Carl is being very polite and bringing it up because he doesn't like the fact that Alberto Moreno isn't the best at football. Um, but back to back to Origi, I guess the question I want to ask both of you, um, it's kind of more back to Carl's article, but but in between the two, I guess it goes back to Origi's future and, and what what you see happening from now until the end of the season. We'll come on to what happens um, after after summer a bit later. But where does this leave him? Does he now think, OK, you know what? I've maybe come up in the pecking order a little bit. I'm maybe a little bit ahead of uh, Solanke now, who we haven't seen in a while, who was fit for that Everton game, yeah, but was, didn't yeah. play any part. Does he now think, OK, you know, I've got some attention here because of that goal. I've got to use that as a basis to really move forward for the rest of the season. Or is it just a case of, you know what, lad, you had a great moment. You will probably have that moment to, to live off forever with Liverpool fans. But that's probably going to be it for your your participation in this season. And you're not really going to see a change of fortune. Well, I mentioned it in the, um, in the article. I mentioned the comparison with Andrea De Sena who was, I should point out, absolutely awful for Liverpool. He was a terrible left-back. But he scored a lob uh, in a 4-1 win against uh, Man United, and he scored the goal, which fin- I think was the last goal, in um, a 4-0 win at Real Madrid. So he will always um, be rewarded with a smile when his name comes up for me, because he did those two things. But he was terrible. I can't see Origi having much difference, to be honest. It'll always be, it'll always be the Divock Origi derby, um, I can't see that moving on anywhere, to be honest. Solanke played two derbies last year, and I thought he was really poor in both of them, um, which is not his fault. You know, he's a young kid, and you know it, it just didn't go his way, particularly when no one was bothered about the Goodison derby at all. But um, I can't see it really. I think he's too far gone for now. I mean, it'd be nice if he could, because the lad can finish. You know, he can finish. But um, uh, he did it. He did it in the post in two yards. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think last night was more uh, the Burnley game was more resorting to type, and I think that's going to be the sort of thing that's going to bother him really. I think when Villa were in the Premier League, I would say he would be perfect for a club like Villa, sort of mid-table, get maybe ten, twelve goals a season, get his own song, but would go no higher than that. I think he's all right. Whereas on Sunday, he was a god. I think he's perfect for Wolves, to be honest. I really do. I think he's exactly what they need. Someone who, because, you know, we've talked about Wolves already, you know, that their biggest problem as a team is that they don't have anyone who can put the ball in the net. And, you know, one of Origi's a lot of things, his biggest strength has always been he just finds ways to score goals. He has his he, pace. Yeah. yeah, his pace he, as well. But he's he has, he's he, always quicker than you think, always. Yeah. And he, he, he there's a real nose for goal, though. That's the thing, you know. I, this is one of the things I've always said about Divock Origi. You know, after his, after the season where he, after the Funes Mori injury, you know, people were saying, you know, he needs to do better. He's like, he's been, he's only been all right. And I was like, he's been all right. And he's got one of the best goals to games ratio in, in, in our team. So, you know, the fact that he's been able to score a lot of goals whilst being all right means that when he actually does reach his full potential, he's going to be a really good player. Um, but, so obviously, you know, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, but literally honing in on that word potential, he is now 23, 24. How, what age do you have to be? And this is more of a general question. What age do you have to be where you stop talking about potential? Because you've, you've said this to me before when I've spoken about players with potential at 23, 24, but now you're doing it. So 
what what age does Origi get to before it's not about potential and it's just actually he he's kind of there. Yes, maybe he needs to build a bit of momentum to get back to his best, but that's not potential. That's just form. Twenty two. Depends where you're playing. Would be my answer. My argument is he'd be good for a team like Wolves that haven't got... Back. <laughs> if if he goes to Wolves, he will be up front. Wolves have been linked with him, it's worth noting, for about 20 million, I think. And that's actually a January move um, because, as you said, they need goals. But I just thought it was interesting because... And I do get your point. I think it's you know it, it comes back to he was so stunted um, and suffered a really severe check of momentum from that injury. But that's not about potential. That's just about getting back up to speed and getting back to where you were. Potential growth beyond that, I'm not sure that's really a case anymore purely because he's in that 23-24 bracket. He has gone to the Bundesliga. He hasn't really made a case for himself there. Okay, you know The formation and the positioning maybe didn't help him out. But this is really crunch time for him now. If he is going to go whether it be in, in January or summer, he's got to make that move wherever it is work straight away. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he's got what it takes to make it work at Wolves, though, because, you know, they are a club that are crying out for a striker who can score goals. Crying out for one. Um, what I would, The other thing I would say is that, you know, if the worst happens against Napoli, he's going to be one of those lads that get nailed on starting our Europa League run. Because he's not going to be starting in the Premier League, but he's the sort of perfect player where you can go, oh, all right, we've got a Thursday night game in Azerbaijan. Who are we going to turn to? Well, Divo Karigi. And Solanke. And, and Big Dom Solanke. Yeah. Blundering around the box like usual. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be, I think that's going to be really... I'm, actually, there might be an article in that. What, what, what squad do you put out for the Europa League if we end up being in that? That'll, be a, fun, that'll be a fun article to write as I'm yeah. crying next Thursday. Have we still got Jay Spearin? You know, it's going to be that level. <laughs> um, On the bright side, Albi Moreno's finally going to get some game time. It's nice yeah, of him. That's, that's, that's always Not a pleasure. Not if I have anything to say about no. it. No. <laughs> anyway, I, I loved his square ball to the forward yesterday. That was a lovely moment. Where he, got, he had the ball just inside our half, looked around him and just laid it perfectly into the oncoming centre forward who had no one near him. Well done, Albi. Lovely pass, mate. He obviously looked around for a full minute. So this is, well, not, not a minute, but he looked around for ages and thought, which is the ball I should play? Should it go down that flank, down that flank? No, I'll just roll it to their centre forward. I think it was Woods. My favourite Alpi moment was we actually got in down the left-hand side. for the. This was about 15 minutes in. For the first time in the game, we yeah, remember that behind in the channels, and he just shanked it straight over the crossbar. Yeah, was like, why? <laughs> why is this happening? And, and the man on my stream, I think it was Ian, Ian Dowie, said, oh, uh, oh, he's got for a, a, a cross-come shot there. No, mate. <laughs> he's just hit the ball. Oh, Ian Dowie was such a... Do you know what? That's an entirely different topic that we're not going to get into because we'll be here all I night. Thought, I, thought, I thought he was fantastic. He, the, the way everything Burnley did was fantastic. That's really, really committed. They're getting beat 3-1, mate. They're getting battered 3-1. Oh, that's, I think Burnley have been fantastic. There's much to work with here. They've just been done 3-1 at home. They've conceded three goals in 14 minutes or something, whatever it was, half an hour. But um, I just, yeah. Yeah, Ian Dowie's. I didn't even know that was for ages. And I remember it. Did you hear that when um, when Sturridge, the, the volley came over for Sturridge in the first half? And he went, oh, great chance. Great chance. He'd have to be Pelé to put that in. If you, it, it, it was a big looping ball from Milner. I think it was Milner. On, um, it was Milner. Uh, and he, was, he arrived on the back post and he just tried to volley it first time and it, sort of, it just sort of scraped off his shin. And he's like, oh, really big chance. I never saw you score like that, <laughs> to be honest, ever. That would have been a golden million if that had gone in. 
Yeah, no, it was just it was just one of those moments, wasn't it? Um, so I think yeah, we'll sort of we'll move back to sort of the uh, the consequences side of things. So, um, you know, how big do we think? Because we'll, we'll include the Burnley game in this one as well. I mean, per, for me personally, I thought the Burnley game was absolutely phenomenal. I thought that second half performance was one of the like, and I, is, here's something that was gonna like. I hate that certain I hate that certain phrases in football can't really be used anymore because they're perfect to sort of describe the situations. Like, for example, you can't say someone's putting the pressure on anymore because you just sort of have to chuckle about how Spurs never win anything. And that's kind of what we've been doing to City. You know, we are putting the pressure on. And you also can't ever use the word character to, to describe a Liverpool performance anymore because abroad. Whereas the Burnley game was the perfect example of the lads showing an in, incredible amount of character. Because, you know, the way we went down and the way we were playing and they just sort of went, oh, we've actually got to win this game now. Okay fine and they just you know they would after after Burnley scored we were absolutely brilliant you know and having been so meh for so much that game and then to concede the way we conceded it, you could so easily have gone this is going to be another another Swansea 1-0 another another Burnley 2-0 just another one of those games where it doesn't come together and they just went oh all right we've got to play football now okay we can do that. particularly after the derby where we've done so much work to get the points and then throwing yeah. it away throwing it away against the side with um, Robbie Brady in it um it's um it was huge i was i was i was absolutely elated last night with that because it's just i mean things go away obviously for me you know, his first touch was after just under three minutes and he scores the goal the third goal is so beautiful it's the perfect goal you want in that situation the ball from storage is is lovely it's just so nice and the fact that the fact that Shakiri scores it with a volley i mean talk about confidence he can take a touch he's got all day and to go from from keeper to storage to to Mo to to Shakiri, that that's just wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And again, a Brendan Rodgers side. I go back as far as a Roy Evans side would lose that game one nil, maybe get a draw if you're Roy Evans. But we just kept thinking, no, we'll just be patient. These they're in the bottom three for a reason, and they can only fight so hard. And then that that equaliser took the absolute stuffing out of them, and that's why we got the second one so so quickly. Yeah, I think we just, I think we just played some. I just think we genuinely played some really quality football. I mean, how often have we, how often have we we sat here after a game like that and we've said, you know what, the subs have worked. Klopp subs were bang on. You know, Klopp got his subs. I mean, admittedly, they were easy subs, but you know, he got them spot on to introduce the players when he introduced them. And well, doing the, they, doing the double both... one that that was a big thing. Doing the double substitution, not just one then one. Bringing them and, on together, the big bring, especially given that he didn't have any subs left after that, so he was gambling. Like having had to bring on Trent, you know, to make three changes after it was only it was sixty-three minutes, wasn't it? Something like that, sixty-seven. Yeah, and and the know, whole to... point, the whole point of that game was let's win this game without without risking anyone. That was the, that was the biggest point, and um, to do that and think, okay, well, we're just gonna we're, we're just gonna throw everything on in sixty-three minutes. That 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 took real balls to do that. And this is and what. Bit, I'm... Yeah, sorry. I'm very good man. We've got a 12:30 kickoff on Saturday as well. Yeah, but this was what infuriated me at the weekend because at the weekend I just thought the subs were really passive at the weekend, and I just kind of thought, you know, I appreciate you've got to manage the squad a bit, and I appreciate you've got to manage the Burnley game midweek. But this is the derby. You've got you can't bring off, you know, Sally. You've got to throw the kitchen sink at this. We need to win this game, and that's exactly what he did in midweek, and it and it paid dividends because both both Bobby and Mo were brilliant off the bench and. The lads really seemed to pick up. Like it was a really, really top performance the second half. Um, and that's well, you know, if, you, if you look at the other side of that, Everton's last substitution uh, in injury time was Kurt Zuma to shore things up, and he gives away the free kick. And then he doesn't track Divi. Yeah. 
Just yeah. watch Divi. And I like, I like Marco Silva, but that, that's the, the they're the margins you're talking about. Yep. It just went his way. And I'm all for that. Yep. Peak Everton. It's just, it's just so Everton. Like, you know, to battle so hard and to actually play well and to, like, you know, so come that close to a point and then for us just to go, lol, no. Like, well, uh, well, Harry made a good point. Well, the camp told me this, but um, Harry made the point that, you know, you've got a new generation of Everton players and they haven't got any... Um, uh, they, they haven't got any... Um, Oh, scars from former Liverpool um, defeats. Apart from the Mane derby, the Mane derby at Goodison, maybe. But this is a whole new squad. That, you know, they can come fresh. They can get into Liverpool. They're not panicking all the time because they've been there before and lost. And then it's probably one of the worst ones. It's the worst way you can lose. It just is. And uh, so they've now got going to carry that into future derbies as well. Although I think, I think I... they are going to kick us to pieces at Goodison, though. <laughs> I think it's going to be a tough game in Goodison, but in, in terms of um, the the wider implications for the season, I think it was a a big win. Obviously, in, in the derby, it's always going to be. But especially when you look ahead for Liverpool's fixtures, we've got Bournemouth away next, which is going to be a very tough game there. It is ahead of Manu in the league. Um, I know that probably says more about Manu than anything, but they are doing very well um, as they always do. Um, and they'll be tough to beat at home. We've got Napoli then a few days later, so. We, we've got to balance the two games, which is always going to be hard. Um, and, and so it's we're going into that, that Christmas fixture list where we need momentum. Momentum is effectively your 12th man. So I think it's really important that we keep up this uh, pressure on Manchester City as well. So Burnley was a really, really good result and a really good fight back from a team that was much changed. No Salah, no Mane, no Firmino. And yet we still managed to get the three points. So I think that yep. says a lot about the position of this team. I can hear oh. Kenneth and Rose screaming at the at the, the fact you used the word momentum. <laughs> uh, uh, and also the I thought the uh, midfield was very good yesterday. To say what it was up against, you know, just a team who we were just going to kick us all over the park. That was a really nice thing to see. And the, the big thing about last night is the fact that it that wasn't your Liverpool first team, and they still came up with the goods. That was that was a lovely thing to see. As for the future games, I think Bournemouth is going to be tricky, but um, the fact that it's an early kickoff might be a thing. Not sure. Um, and uh, as for United, it's the, he's going to come for a draw. I do, he just he can't lose that game. He just cannot lose it. And I thought United were good last night. I watched that game as well. And I thought they, the, the way they came back at Arsenal was really impressive. But um, I'm also made up that um, De Gea threw one into his game, into his net as well. That was nice. I I I think if we can actually beat United, I think that would be the biggest win of the season because this this United like they are it's. We we never seem to beat United, even when they're really bad. We rarely, rarely beat United. Like United have to literally be because he can defend. Because Marino's great at nil nils. He's fantastic yeah. at them. He loves it, and they just always get so scummy and so jammy. Which I just, I just, I'm bricking that fixture. I really am. If we can actually beat United this year, that would be such a big result for our season. I think it really would. I don't think it'll be bigger than Derby unless it's 98 minutes and it's a goal by Brewster. I can't think of anyone. Camacho. <laughs> Camacho, yeah. Um, hang on, what's the third goalkeeper? Who's the third goalkeeper these days? Whack him on, put him up front for 10 minutes, you never know. Jordan Pickford. Jordan Pickford coming on for Liverpool to score. No, that's probably not going to happen. He's already he's already won us one big game this season. He's well, done he's, 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 he's one of my favourite players of all time. Love that man. Love him. Okay, with I think his, we will... <laughs> with, his little, with his little arms. <laughs> with, his, with his tiny little arms. I think we'll... Um, uh, Fun fact: We did the um at the uh on the rate down hate part of the weekend. I said that uh I thought I thought John 
Jordan Pickford was really shit. And Adam said, did you say really short or really shit? And I said, both. <laughs> 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 uh, okay, we are going to have to call it there, guys. It's been a, uh, been a cracking part, and it's been great to have you on, Carl. Um, is there anything that you wanted to plug before we go, Carl? Uh, not really. I'd, actually, do you know I'm going to go a bit off because I'm not really talking about things I've written. But can I ask as many people as possible to listen to the main and for the next podcast because um, we don't just talk about football. We talk about life. We talk and we interact with our listeners and we talk about whatever they want to talk about. Be it the career of Tony Blackburn, which is what we did this week. Your favourite sweets and um, and obviously there's some football talk in there as well. Which is it's, so it's me, Trev, and Cam, and I forget the name of the producer, but he's pretty good, I think. Because I was nice to him this week, so I'm taking it all back. And Leanne, is there anything you want to plug? No, I'll have a couple of articles out in the next few days. Um, one probably touching on Joe Gomez and his recent injury, but I think that's it from me. Awesome. And I have got an article coming out soon about big chances and about how Liverpool are conceding less this season and who is our sort of key players in terms of creating, key players in terms of finishing. And I think that would be a really interesting one for some of the statos out there. Um, fewer. Tom, fewer, not less. Sorry, sorry, Mr. Grammar. Um, he he was actually alive when Grammar was invented, fun, true story. Um, uh, so, I, des- I, des- I deserve that. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so thank you very much for coming on, Carl. Thank you, as ever, Leanne. Thank you to uh, Guy and Nina, who will be uh, recording, editing, that kind of thing, behind the scenes. Obviously, a lot of work goes into this show. Um, thank you to everyone who's written this week. And uh, uh, thank you, of course, to Scott, whose article we um, we use in this pod. Uh, and, of course, thank you very much for listening. We, we yeah, I think we'll be back next week. We should be. Um, and we will see you then. Podcast Network.